today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. The word over and over and over again, Old Testament new, speaks to us that general understanding, man, don't follow your own understanding. Don't follow the wisdom and the ways of the world. Seek the Lord. He's going to be the one that will direct your path. He's the one that will open doors, as we read last week, and he'll close doors for you. And again, seeking that understanding. So again, he says, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Again, not only Cicero, but it was just a time of great orators and the, the philosophies of man that were going on during those days that it would be so easy for believers to get caught up in those things. There are countless schools of thought on self-improvement. People seek worldly knowledge and betterment more now than ever. Pastor David encourages us to seek biblical knowledge. We can have all the degrees in the world, but if we don't know Jesus, we're in a bad spot. Seeking to know God and know His Word puts us in a place of wisdom and peace. Many people today are very intelligent, yet they're completely unsettled. They need Jesus just as much as everyone else does in the world. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 3 with today's edition of The Open Word. And the Lord is speaking to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. Okay, and then from there it goes south, okay? <laughs> I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing, you do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, uh, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Laodicea, like a couple of these other churches of the seven churches of Revelation, they, they sat at a crossroads. Uh, they were in a valley there in Asia Minor, and again, in the area of Turkey, just as all of these seven churches are. 
They were situated on, on a hill. It's kind of an interesting hill. The hill itself uh, was, was a plateau, and it was almost square in shape. And the, the top of the plateau was like about 100 feet above everything else. So they had a great view over everything, all the surrounding areas. They overlooked all these fertile valleys and, and the mountains that surrounded them. It was, really and truly, it was a prosperous, it was a respected city since the times of the Greeks, when the, when the Greeks ruled and, and uh, reigned over that area. The city was originally called Diospolis, Diospolis. But during the reign of the Greek king Antiochus II, who was the ruler of Syria, and he was the ruler of Syria in a time frame around 261 to 246 B.C., so a couple of hundred years before Christ. Well, he colonized the city, really kind of built it up, and he renamed the city for the love of his wife, okay? And he named the city after his wife, whose name was Laodice, Laodice, or Laodisa. Now, during this time, and after a particular victory that Antiochus won in the battle, suddenly he got this title of Theos. So they called him Antiochus II, Theos. Any of you Greek scholars know what the name Theos means? God. Antiochus II, God. Well, we don't know if it was like after he got that title or before it, but his love for Laodice kind of waned and he rejected her, sent her off to uh, Ephesus and kind of banned her over there. And then he ended up marrying the daughter of uh, Ptolemy, one of the other big rulers in the area, the Greek rulers. Uh, her name was Bernice, and with Bernice he had Antiochus the Third. Okay, so everything seems to be going good for a number of years. And then after that, he gets kind of tired of Bernice, and he goes back to uh, Laodice and brings her back because of his love and passion for her. And after a while, the love and passion for her, she or her love and passion for him, she demonstrated by not only poisoning Antiochus, but having her compadres go and poison Bernice and her son Antiochus III. So that's a little bit of history about the area. A lot of love, a lot of love. Can you feel the love? Well, by the year 133 B.C., the, the, the Romans were in control of the area, and uh, Laodicea was made what's called a free city. It was about the end of the first century B.C. It was one of the principal sites of Asia Minor. It was real famous for fabrics, for sandals, for medicine, those kinds of things. It was also a major banking center. There's a lot of money that went in and out of Laodicea. One of the regular customers, according to some ancient documents that they found, was a fellow by the name of Cicero, the uh, again, the, the, the philosopher, the politician, the orator. And uh, during the age, during this time frame, the city was known not only as a major banking center, but it was also a major judicial center because a lot of uh, almost like a, a superior court was located there at Laodicea. So from around the areas, if you had a problem locally with your own jurisdictions, you could bring it to Laodicea and, and get further hearings there because they had these other hearings there, uh, either fines or fees or anything that were charged to people, it went into their banking system. So they continued to, to prosper in that way. And a lot of times just uh, other 
other businesses within the region because Laodicea had, again, this secure banking system. They would keep their money there at Laodicea for safekeeping. Now, the city itself had been damaged a couple of times uh, severely by earthquakes uh, uh, in uh, 27 B.C., A.D. 14, and again in A.D. 60. Now, you need to understand A.D. 60, that's just about 30 years before the writing of the book of Revelation. But the Romans rebuilt the city, and the city continued to prosper. To give you an idea of the city's prosperity, Archaeologists have discovered in that city that it had not only a large stadium, but it had two theaters. So, I mean, just it was that big that it, that it was able to support two theaters where they did a lot of dramas and plays. They had a lot of uh, meetings, and uh, uh, perhaps Cicero even did some of his uh, um, uh, uh, speeches there in those theaters. The largest of those two theaters actually had 15 thousand seats in that theater the other interesting thing is these seats were engraved with the names of the owners of those seats okay you know like you come to church and somebody's sitting in your seat uh that's that's the way it was there uh they in the theater there they they had their names on the seats and so excuse me you're sitting my seat hey no there's no saved seats yes it is see my name is right there on the seat and that's the way they were in addition, the city also had this huge stadium. And in the stadium, they had, uh, again, these athletic events. They had all the uh, uh, gladiators and all of these contests, the sporting events. The stadium itself had seats for 40,000 people, plus space actually to put another 15,000, which gave it a total seating capacity of 55,000 people in that stadium. Now, that's a lot of people. And to help you understand, again, just the, the size of that, I want to give you a couple of comparisons real quick. Compared to a couple of the National Basketball Association arenas, okay, here in ancient Rome, you have a theater that see, or a stadium that seats 55,000 people. Well, the Phoenix Suns U.S. Airways Arena, anybody know how many of that seats? 18,422. And that's a big place, okay? The Chicago Bulls, United Center. You guys from Chicago, anybody got any idea how long, how how big it is? 23,000. Huge. But it's only half the size of that 55,000. So let's go into NFL, okay, because they got bigger stadiums. Minnesota Vikings, the TCF Bank Stadium. Anybody from Minnesota? Okay. Nobody from Minnesota. Okay. They're, they're the Minnesota Vikings, their stadium seats 52,000. Smaller than that stadium there. Of course, the Chicago Bears, Soldier Field, seats 62,000. But most of the NFL stadiums range from about 50,000 to about 85,000. So that kind of gives you an idea. If you ever see a picture of a stadium, you know, football game going on, that's the size of stadium that Laodicea. That's the prosperity that was there, the amount of people that were drawn into that area. And, and as far as engineering goes, uh, a lot of great engineering things that we're doing. And Romans were, were amazing engineers for their day. Uh, to help you understand that, there's a lot of their structures that still stand. A lot of their aqueducts that still stand today. Why? Because of the way that they were designed and built. There was a double aqueduct 
that brought water into Laodicea. Uh, they brought it in from some hot springs that were located to the south of Laodicea. And most of the sections of those aqueducts, they were made with these individual stones that were hollowed out on both sides and then kind of glued together with plaster and olive oil to make a stone pipe for that water to flow through. So just absolutely amazing. And though although the water was hot when it left the mineral springs, well, by the time it made the trip into Laodicea, it was rather lukewarm. And it, because of that, in order to use it, you either needed to reheat the water or you had to allow it time to cool down to be able to use it. Lukewarm just, just, just doesn't sit well, does it? There's a variety of Greek Roman deities that were worshipped throughout the city. Um, there were two primary ones, Zeus. And Zeus during that time was often called Savior because he was, was said to provide, he, he was the one that, of the principal deities of that area, he was the one who would provide what the people needed. They would pray to Zeus. He was the highest god of the Greek uh, pantheon. That, that they would worship. Along with Zeus was his son Apollo that they would worship there, again, one of the major gods of Laodicea. He was known, again, as sending messages through these oracles. And there was a shrine for Apollo over on the Mediterranean coast. And there, they, they would travel often over there to this shrine, and they would get these words from these oracles of Apollo to come back and tell them how to live their life or what's going on with government or how to live uh, or how to, how to run the city. So that's the kind of place it was. Christianity came fairly early to that city, and there seems to be a pretty close relationship between Laodicea and Colossia. Now, Colossia is not one of the seven churches of Revelation, but yet there is a real close connection between Laodicea and Colossia. If you've got your Bibles with you, and hopefully you do, number one, Colossia was located about nine miles to the east of them. So again, not, not very far at all. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And listen to what Paul speaks. In Colossians chapter 2, in verse 1, Paul writes to the Colossians, he says, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and for those that are in Laodicea. So he kind of groups them together there. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. There's a whole lot in there that once you know the background, particularly of Laodicea, but also with Colossia, Paul says, man, I, I want you to be encouraged here. I want you to attain riches, but not the riches of the world. I want you to attain the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all of these treasures, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You don't need to go to the uh, the, the citadel or the, the oracle of Apollo to gain wisdom and knowledge. No, the Lord will give you knowledge. Seek his face. He'll, he'll give you understanding. Rather than seeking the things of this world, 
And God can give you direction. Again, the word over and over and over again, Old Testament and New, speaks to us that general understanding, man. Don't follow your own understanding. Don't follow the wisdom and the ways of the world. Seek the Lord. He's going to be the one that will direct your path. He's the one that will open doors, as we read last week, and he'll close doors for you. And again, seeking that understanding. So again, he says, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Again, not only Cicero, but it was just a time of great orators. And the the philosophies of man that were going on during those days, that it would be so easy for believers to get caught up in those things, because most of them grew up in it. They grew up in that, that culture and so it's already a part of their lives, and they've learned the truth in Christ, and now all of a sudden they, they hear these persuasive arguments of these others in the world, and Paul says, listen, don't let anyone deceive you with these persuasive words. And he's giving that word both to Colossia as well as to Laodicea. We read a little bit later in that book, in, in Colossians, in his closing paragraphs, really how Paul uh, ties these two cities together once again. And again, he's writing to the Colossians, but this is what he writes. In Colossians chapter 4, Colossians 4, down in verse 12. Colossians 4, verse 12. I like the sound of Bible pages turning. I wish our electric ones made that noise, you know, that you just flip it over. He says in verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, and he speaks, he's one of the Colossians, he says he's a bondservant of Christ, and he greets you. He's there with Paul as he's writing this. He says he's always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you, speaking to the Colossians. But then he says, and for those in Laodicea. So Epaphras, this man who is from Colossia, He's there with Paul, and he's continually praying for the Colossians as well as for the Laodiceans. And also those in Heropolis, another city in that area. Verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Verse 15, greet the brethren who are in Laodicea, and Nymphus and the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you in Colossia, See that it's also read also in the church of the Laodiceans. And that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Now, keep your place there. Turn over to chapter 3 of the book of Laodicea. We, we don't have that, do we? We don't have that. Uh, you you kind of wish you did. But, uh, gosh, Paul, what, what would you have written to them? Well, I... When you, when you understand what he's writing to the church in Colossia, and he's concerned about the Laodiceans, and then later on in a moment when we get back into Revelation, you might think that there was some, probably some stern words of correction and encouragement. Hey, stand fast. Remain true. Be faithful. Don't be drawn into the things of the world. In verse 7, he says, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Verse 17 of uh, the book of Laodicea. No, of uh, Colossians, I'm sorry. Book, <laughs> chapter 4, Colossians, moving on into verse 17. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, 
Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Now, tradition has it that the church in Laodicea was possibly founded by this man Epaphras, the one that Paul speaks about back up in verse 12. Again, the one who has really cared and loved the people of Colossia as well as Laodicea. Uh, again, from Colossia, he was faithful to the Laodiceans that, again, his care and concern. It's believed also that the church met in the home of Nympha, the one that we read about up in verse 15. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church that is in his house. So in the home of Nymphus was probably the church of Laodicea. And additionally, we see in verse 17 that Paul sends these greetings to Archippus, who could have been at that point in time the pastor of that fellowship in Laodicea. So Epaphras, who founded the church, he's now with Paul. The church is meeting at the home of Nymphus, but Archippus is actually the pastor of that church. Now, this would add a real personal character to what we read in Revelation when we speak about to the messenger of the church of Laodicea, that, again, if Archippus was the head pastor, the lead pastor there. Some believe that actually that Archippus was even the bishop of Laodicea. The only other place that we see Archippus's name mentioned is actually in the book of Philemon. You don't need to turn there, but in Philemon chapter 1, verse 1, Paul writes, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. There was a church in Philemon's house. It's believed that Aphia was, it's a female name, that that was his wife. And so the husband and wife Philemon and Aphia there at their house, and then Archippus was very possibly their son. So, again, all of these things are speculations on, on the times and on the context of the word, nothing that is a salvation issue. But, again, Paul does speak about Archippus being a fellow soldier, being, in essence, a minister of the word. And we get that also here in uh, uh, Colossians as he speaks about that same idea. So now we look at the passage here in Revelation. So there in Revelation chapter 3 beginning in verse 14. Let's look back there again. To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. You have to see once here, once again here, that the Lord is laying out literally uh, his credentials, that there's no doubt about who he is. But I believe, again, for this church, they needed to see it again. They needed to, 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 to be fresh in it again. Who it is that's speaking to them. The, these things says the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation. First of all, that idea of this, this is the one, this is what says the amen. That very word, amen, means true and faithful. Absolutely, I agree. When you say amen while I'm preaching, you're, you're saying amen. I, I believe what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. It means a truth that's being proclaimed. It's also the idea, literally, in, in this context, of the guarantor of the, or the executor 
of the promise of God. Thanks for spending your time with us today on The Open Word. If you were encouraged by this time together, learning more about Jesus and want to hear more, we'd invite you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, where you can get notified of the latest message as soon as it's available, or find archive messages you may have missed. You can even find these teachings online at theopenword.com. There you can learn all about The Open Word and the ministry we're blessed to be a part of. In fact, Pastor David has a special message for you about how you too can be involved in sharing the good news through the open word. There really is something deeply refreshing about being a part of God's kingdom. Not only do I get to learn more about him every time I open the Bible, but he's given me the great privilege of sharing his love with you. This radio ministry and others like it, they're a wonderful and powerful way that God is reaching people across the nation and well, across the world with the gospel. We're blessed to be a part of it. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. Would you prayerfully consider being a part of our financial support here at The Open Word? If you feel led to give, visit theopenword.com and click on the support option. That'll bring you to our secure giving page. Your gift will help us to continue to grow and spread the word of God. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord. Thanks, Pastor David. As our time with you draws to a close, know that we continue to pray for you and for more and more people to come to know Jesus through this ministry. Join us next time to continue studying Revelation right here on The Open Word.